0: Welcome to the Outback Way Podcast. I am Helen Lewis. Buckle up as we take you on Australia's Longest Shortcut, a journey through the heart of Australia. Welcome to the Outback Way Podcast. In this episode, I have a chat to Alex Chalmers, who is a co-owner of the Gemtree Caravan Park and King area. Feel free to pop in and see Alex, as they have so much to offer They have various donger accommodation as well as a campground and caravan park. Uh, You can fossick for gems. You can actually even get your gems that you find set into jewellery. So enjoy the podcast. I'd also just like to uh, update you. We are really uh, looking forward to this season, this uh, tourism season, Uh, and I hope you're finding all the information you need on our website. We'll be doing some updates in the coming months and uh, yeah, really enjoy all your commentary and uh, engagement on our social media sites as well. So now on to the interview with Alex. Look forward to hearing how you think about it. If you do like our podcast, please uh, like and give us a rating. And I'd also like to uh, recognise Perk Digital as our producer of our podcast. Ellen and her team do an amazing job. So thank you and enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Outback Way podcast, and today it gives me great pleasure to welcome Alex Chalmers, the owner of Gemtree, which is a wonderful stopover and uh, and a fossicking place uh, on the Plenty Highway just out of Alice Springs. Uh, welcome, Alex. So looking forward to catching up with what's going on at Gemtree.
1: Uh, thank you, Helen. It's lovely to, to have this opportunity to chat with you.
0: That's Very super. Good. Excellent. So, Alex, the history of Gemtree is um, quite... Uh, Quite, quite exceptional, and uh, I'm just really interested just to to know a bit more about that and uh, and how it all came about and and yeah, the early
1: days, I guess. Yes. So uh, history of Gentry. Gentry's been here for oh, maybe just over 30 years. So, and and the reason for Gentry coming into existence was the then uh, station owner. Um, we're we're situated on Alcoota Station, which is now Indigenous-owned property. But 30 years ago, the then owner, Tommy Webb, um, approached a guy called Graham and said, Graham, if I give you 100 hectares of land, would you be able to ensure that the fossickers that, uh, that have been camping all over Alcoota and camping at his boars and, and disturbing his cattle and so on, would they be more or less contained or have somewhere to stay? You know, could they have somewhere to stay um, at this place? And Graham said, yes. So 100 hectares was excised off the pastoral lease and given to Graham and Graham then built the facilities, you know, accommodation, amenities block and a small shop with a view to having somewhere for these long-term flossigers um, to, to stay and not interfere with the running of the, the adjacent cattle property. So that's that happened about 30 years ago and really over the, the subsequent years, Helen, the, the visitors that we get to Gentry, that mix has slowly shifted from... Uh, fossickers who may fossick full time, or they'll go fossicking for six months of the year. You know, it's it's absolutely their passion.
0: Yeah.
1: To now a blended mix of of um, our interstate visitors who migrate north for summer, for winter rather to to escape the southern heat. Um, a mix of grey nomads and young families coming to stay and, and experiencing fossicking for the first time. Plus, we still get a number of long-term fossickers who might come and stay here for three months or four months and they'll go out to the fields every day to do their thing.
0: Mm. Oh, well, that's really great and that diversity of... And it's interesting for people who, who are just travellers to actually then meet fossickers, like, you know, hardcore fossickers because, you know, just, they've really got a very different lifestyle and, uh, and I think that's quite unique. and and it's an interesting dynamic to to understand, isn't it? It's an interesting way of life.
1: Helen, you're absolutely right. And, and, you know, there are so many stories with our travellers, our visitors, you know, will come down and talk to us as they're checking out or coming down to buy something from the shop and they'll talk about, you know, how they've met fossickers staying in the park and, and and these lovely fossickers have educated their children about all sorts of rocks and shared samples with them. Um, so there is, you're quite, that's absolutely spot on, Helen. Mm, There's this mm. dynamic and sharing of information, right, um, yeah. which yeah. one just loves.
0: Yeah, that's excellent. Yeah, that's fantastic. And so then uh, the fossicking is so huge. And what, what sort of... Uh, gems can people find at a gem, uh,
1: gem tree? <laughs> so predominantly um, there are two types of gemstones found here. Firstly, uh, zircons, and um, they're about 15 kilometres from here. So zircons are naturally occurring and zirconias are man-made. So a zircon, when it's cut, um, looks fairly similar to a diamond, um, and the mm-hmm. colours that they find really range from clear, which is beautiful and quite hard to find, a very pale champagne, and, some, and even more rare, um, a pale pink, which are quite mm. stunning. Mm. So there's the zircon fields, and then in much more abundant are uh, garnets. So there are several garnet fields um, that people can go to and mm. find garnets. And, of course, garnets, when they're cut, look like rubies. They're a dark yeah. red colour, and they yeah. also can be quite stunning. It's
0: the birthstone so for January people.
1: Yes, correct. Absolutely <laughs> correct. Excellent. Excellent. Um, and the hearts yeah. ranges, which are close by uh, to our Helen, people have mm. found all sorts of stones, you know, over the years there. So all types of gemstones, but fairly hard to find. The two most predominant ones and and easy to find are zircons and garnets. Yes, yeah,
0: so, yes, yeah, so the zircons and the garnets. Yeah. Okay. Good. So when people um, find find a gem, um, you know, out fossicking, king. Um, there's what's you've got some facilities at Gem Tree for you know a little bit of work on those, haven't
1: you? We do, right? So, um, so there's a number of ways, uh, several different ways for people to access gem fields. There are public fossicking areas which anyone is welcome to go to and look. Um, we also offer tours, daily tours that you know depart in the morning, take a tag along tour, mm-hmm. and um, so we will take people out. We'll show them how to fossick and how to recognise the stones in the rough. Um, once we're comfortable that they know what they're doing and they they can pick a zircon or pick a garnet, then they're welcome to stay on the fields for the remainder of the day or, you know, say, till about 2 or or 3 p.m. The last bit of that tour is then coming back to Gemtree and into our gem room where one of our um, sorters will sort the stones that the people have found. And really sorting does two or three things. Firstly, it determines which stones are worth cutting and which ones are not because they may have flaws mm. in them. And with the stones that are worth cutting, what size they would be in mills, right, millimetres. So, you know, yes. if this zircon was, uh, should be cut, it would be a 3 mil, 4 mil, 5 mil, 6 mil stone. So absolutely that's part of the tours to, to come back and have um, have the stones sorted. There's also uh, a range of jewellery uh, for gem tree that those stones that, uh, can be set in and ordered, um, so people can order jewellery um, with yeah. the stones that they have found themselves, uh, being cut and polished and set into those settings.
0: Oh, that's nice! And that's it? a really authentic thing to take away from a, you know a place you've visited.
1: It is, and and people love it, right? Because it, it's mm. it gives a lot of meaning um, to a piece of jewellery if they have found literally dug the stone themselves out of the dirt. And I remember a couple of years ago bumping into someone in Victoria, uh, a lady called Jenny, who very proudly showed me her ring and said, I dug this stone at Gemtree out of the ground 20 years ago and still loved her ring 20 years later. And so, and that meaning because she had found the stone herself.
0: Yeah, that's um, right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, that's very good. Excellent. And Gemtree is on our artisan trail uh, because of the Gem. Uh, the gem crafting that um that it goes on. So we are we are part you are part of our artisan trail of art and artisans. That's really good. So then also though, um and obviously with these people coming, you've got lots of places. You know, what what are the options for people to stay at Gem Tree?
1: Uh, yes, Helen. So there's a number of options. So uh, we do have the park, uh, which is like a caravan park or is a caravan park in a bush setting in the Mulga scrub. Mm-hmm. So powered sites and unpowered sites, we're currently running at about forty powered sites, uh, and more or less an unlimited number of unpowered sites, but about 40 named uh, unpowered sites. We also have some accommodation, five en suite rooms, um, two family cabins, that sleep five, um, and then a number of just just plain rooms with an air conditioner fridge, uh, single rooms and twin rooms. So about 15 or 16 rooms all up. uh, Have you you increased
0: those? Because I I didn't realise there were so many.
1: That's yes, it. we have.
0: Ah, yeah, so great. two or three
1: years okay. ago, we added some, a number of ensuite rooms Oh, lovely. Uh, to, okay. and and some the the single rooms and twin rooms were added to the mix.
0: Mm, mm. Oh, that's excellent. Because yes, yeah, so and, and the thing is, what's so good about that is because people can, you know, we can drive from, um, you know, when we talk about it, you know, winter to bullia and then bullia to Tebemorei. And then, you know, Tobamori, you can actually get to Gemtree in a day, like it's a lovely day trip. And then, you know, and then yes. knowing that you've actually got a bit more accommodation now is excellent because that's always been a little bit of a limiting factor of being able to, to stay. So um, that's, um, correct, it's awesome. Helen.
1: That's, you know, that's not, right. not all of us tow a caravan or a camper van, right? No, that's um,
0: right. Yeah.
1: A, a lot of us traveling, um, you know, we might, we'll have a terrific four-wheel drive but we're not necessarily towing something to, for, for accommodation. So it absolutely meets that market, and, and the demand has been um, quite big for for the accommodation on site. And there's another market that um, it helps with too. So people from Alice, so close by, might want to come out on a Saturday night or for a night, and they know that they can come to Gentry, There's accommodation here. They don't need to take a tent or tow a van out or something. So it's really opened up... range of uh people that can come and experience gentry
0: yeah that's right and that's good because we do talk about people can actually get a bed every night across the outback way it doesn't have to be a caravan camping exercise Um, people can actually have you know they can have a choice after you know across the outback way it's five stars or millions of stars but um you know and everything in between so i think that's where um, just knowing that there's more beds at uh, Gemtree is, is a wonderful outcome because that, you know, that really does, that really does fill that gap of travel because, you know, hours to Buddha is a good eight hours. Um, and that's maybe a bit long for some people. Whereas stop at Gemtree after six hours and, and you've still got some daylight and a and place to enjoy. So plus it also I means you've got all the activities to do the next day when people people wake up which is wonderful. Um and so you mentioned people coming out on a Saturday night. Um what what do they come out for?
1: So through through our uh winter season which is predominantly our, our busy time, we run uh camp oven dinners twice a week on a Wednesday night and a Saturday night mm-hmm. down at the Billabong Bar area. So that truly is a camp oven dinner, roast beef cooked in camp ovens and roast vegetables. And we open the bar and and you've just mentioned you know five million stars, absolutely, five million star dining under the stars. Mm-hmm. Um, of course it's winter, so we all rug up. So that's incredibly popular, Helen. There are nights where we will exceed one hundred people for dinner, sitting out um, nice. at tables under the stars. And it's a fun night, it really is. Um yeah, that's so fine. that's a huge draw card through Through our winter, um, both for our travellers and and so many people will book or arrange their time here around being able to attend uh, one of these camp oven dinners.
0: Yeah, and so what's your time frame? Sorry, what's your time frame with winter? Is it from? Is it March or is it is it? It's later. uh, What time does it start? A little
1: bit later. So generally, what experience has taught us is that Easter, regardless of when Easter is, Easter is a trigger. For a whole lot of travellers. So we really start at Easter each year. That's, that's, we call that the start of our season. Yep. And lasts through to the end of September. Depending on the year, it may drift into October a little bit. Mm-hmm. This year was unusual for, because of the pandemic, Helen, and, um, with New South Wales and Victoria being in lockdown, say, from early July, mm. uh, that cut off that pipeline of travellers for us and, So, we really finished around about the end of August or the first week of September. Not finished, but it started to get quieter, about a month earlier than normal. But in a normal year, we would say at least to the end of September, we will run the dinners through to early October. Mm.
0: Okay. Yeah. Excellent. And what other um, components to the dinner are there?
1: So, firstly, um, we, we welcome everyone. We give an overview of the camp oven kitchen and how the kitchen works. Um, and we find that lots of people are interested in in, in camp ovens, right, because they're travellers and, and camping and so on. Mm. So explain how we do that and, and how that kitchen came about. And my niece, Kate, um, was one of the instigators of implementing the camp oven kitchen. And we're still following um, what uh, Kate's uh, no longer living here at Gentry. We still execute the camp oven dinners and cook the meals as as Kate had started back in 2010, I think it was, or 2011. Yeah, um, we, uh, Helen, we did used to show a documentary uh, about my family, um, my parents and my brother Charlie. We haven't screened that this year um, and we're just debating whether we will start recommence screening that next year. Yeah. That was incredibly popular. Um, and Kate would give a family history talk, right, to to all mm-hmm. the people seated at the tables about the history of our family, right, and Granddad coming into into this district and pioneering. No, I, 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 me- I remember 19- the
0: story leaving Bonshaw or down that way in New South Wales and coming with a car, and I, an I awesome car he, yeah. and a wagon, and and having a couple of kids on the way through. <laughs> I just think it's quite
1: it, extraordinary, um, Helen.
0: Yeah, an yeah, incredibly
1: brave man or mm-hmm. slightly eccentric or maybe both, I'm not sure. Um, but to, at the age of 50, to head off with a horse and cart and a chicken coop underneath with um, his wife, Cora, my grandmother. And for, um, I think, yes, a couple of children were born, maybe the youngest one, Jesse, was born on the way. And it took them over two years to get yes. to the centre, including waiting on the banks of the Georgina for 12 months, waiting for rain, so that mm-hmm. they could come across country. Um mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, it's an extraordinary story. So yeah. certainly we've done that story has been talked about, and there's a small film that uh, Kate uh, used to screen, and we, like I said, we haven't done that this year. Um, we're thinking about re- redoing that or recommencing that next year. What I have done this year is anyone that would stand still long enough and showed the slightest bit of interest, I would talk about the family history, and people have been very interested yeah. hearing you know about um a pioneering family here in the centre, and and now bins track being opened up, um, they are able to experience part of that history off the bins track, heading to our north, right? Um, and and mm-hmm. can see part of the station where we all grew up and where granddad was.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's excellent. Great story. Yeah, no, terrific. Yeah, really great. And I mean, and I, I just mean, I, mean, I spoke to the the Great Beyond Centre yesterday, at Lorinda Hill, and they've got an Explorers Hall of Fame over there, and it's just. Just all those early pioneers, or early, early explorers, and I just take my hat off to them. I, I think it's yeah, but they
1: are exactly, made Helen, of
0: made um, of uh, tough stuff.
1: Yes, but and um, and we mustn't forget right the women that came with them. So I think about this quite often, Helen, about my grandmother um, Cora, who came from Glen Innes, uh, Glen Innes rather, yes. and I have to assume happily, <laughs> happily went off into the yonder, right, really beyond the Black Stump, absolutely beyond the Black Stump, um, and started a life in the middle of nowhere where people had not lived before. You know, so I'm amazed at these extraordinary women who who came with their husbands or their partners and were equal pioneers. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, you know, and, and that's the... the um, and oh, no, I can't think of what it's called in Alice Springs—the Women's Hall of Fame or whatever. Oh yeah, it is, the, right, Pioneer the Pioneer Women's,
0: Women's Hall of Fame. Yes, yes, yeah, that's right. right. And
1: absolutely. and I think that's really important, right? To, mm. Because it, if I think of my grandparents, that absolutely was a partnership, Helen. It wasn't yes. just Granddad, right? It was uh, that's right. Granddad and Nana Chalmers both right. together achieved what they achieved.
0: Yeah, that's right. And I think, I mean, that that's how it has to, had to be, you know. <laughs> Yeah, really, it had to be a joint effort, didn't it? I mean, no one, uh, you know, one might have done more physical work, but the other one did all the other bits, you know, and uh, that just makes up the whole piece of the jigsaw.
1: Absolutely. And raising four small children, I think the eldest one was 11 when they arrived, Um, and and it was, what, three days travelling to get to Alice Springs, the closest town, and raising four children, you know, in the middle of nowhere, knowing that any medical help or anything was three days away. Yeah. Uh, and And not even a and that that's before um pedal radio, any of that, so no communication exactly. apart from a a camel train once every three months that would bring three months' worth of mail um and then take wool away. so yeah extraordinary people.
0: yes, so fascinating stories and um and wonderful histories. so the um and so then uh, I guess with the uh, gentry, you also offer fuel and and you know there's there's a you know you can get a nice burger and um, everything. If people are just driving through and just want to pull in, they can and and uh, top yes, up. Yes, so
1: absolutely, little... Helen. It's truly the definition of a mixed business.
0: <laughs> yes, So there's yes. um
1: I call it the roadhouse side of the business. So there's um uh food and and it is nice food, right? Um, so mm-hmm. the wonderful vanilla slices, the gem tree pies, um, great burgers, and so on and so forth. Um, absolutely. Mm-hmm. There's fuel uh, plus the accommodation, the the tours that we run. The gem room and um, all the gemstones and the jewellery that comes from there. Um, So, yes, absolutely a mixed business. And you're right, there are people calling in every day just to buy fuel and a a cold drink uh, through to people who... And and we have um, travellers at the moment, Helen, which Mm. is terrific for this time of year. It's a little unusual. So I think we have five people, five groups staying in the park at the moment. And I think they're all staying three or four days. So lovely to have them here, even though it's the 1st of December today.
0: Yes, that's right. Exactly. Yeah, I know. It's, um, I think, I, I think that's right. I mean, the season really has what, you know, uh, become longer, uh, with, with yes. modern cars now. We don't, we don't have them overheating and <laughs> things like that. Yes. So I think, I think, I mean, the air conditioning, it's fairly comfortable traveling and doing road trips now. So, um, yeah, yes. I think, I think ours we can be, we can be honest about the season being as long as people want to make it, really. Uh, that's, yeah. Uh,
1: I love it that we have people still travelling uh, in this time of the year. It's, it's, I think, it's fantastic.
0: Excellent. And so, um, and then this year we've uh, we've seen the installation of the Outback Way Outdoor Gallery. And um, I guess you know, as a business owner, have you? Um, ha- how has that involved? You know, interacted with your business? Do you see it in the future being of value? Um, any any thoughts on that Outback Way? I, I do, Helen. Gallery? I'm probably
1: the wrong person to ask because I'm so biased, right? Because I just love it. <laughs> Absolutely, oh, just love sense. it. Um, so, and I love it for many reasons. So, uh, the first reason being the concept itself, right, mm-hmm. a way to showcase mm-hmm. to um, our our travellers going up and down the Plenty Highway some f- fabulous artwork from local artists, you know, both mm-hmm. Indigenous and non-indig- uh, non-Indigenous, right? Mm-hmm. So, I love that concept. I think that's terrific. And, and it really is a gallery, right, you know, the... The intent is to change the artwork on a periodic basis, like a like a gallery would, right? Mm. Um, and I suppose I should just clarify what I'm talking about. Are um, billboards um, along the Plenty Highway for about seventy kilometres? I think there's twenty eight billboards in total, and, and mm. Mel will correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and each billboard features artwork uh, from local artists. So, firstly, the the concept I love. I think that's a fantastic way to showcase um, some terrific artwork. Secondly, I love that it drives conversation with our travellers. Right. It's right. absolutely a topic of conversation. People will pull up and go, we've just seen these billboards back there, what's the story, right? That's and so I love being able to then introduce them to, to, to the Outback Way Gallery and, and then also to the artwork and some of the local artists that, that, who have their work up on the boards. So hmm. it, it opens up possibilities of conversations Thirdly, I love the fact that there is there's something else of interest in this northeastern part of Alice Springs, right? and, yes. and and I think I believe it's quite unique, right? So I feel incredibly lucky that along the whole way of the Outback Way, or all, all 2,400 kilometres, the 70 kilometres of billboards is you know, we are bookended here at Gentry yes. by these billboards, which is just yeah. fantastic. so I love it. Yeah, fantastic. I, like, I'm the wrong yeah. person to ask. I'm just biased. Right.
0: Oh well, that's no, thats good. And I, I, well, I think that's the and the intent of it was to actually. Really break the trip from, from Alice to Buya, really, because there was not much. I mean, besides obviously stopping at Gem Tree, you know, there were stops, but there wasn't anything else to, to meander through or to, you know, to break up the journey to a, you know, stop here. And because they're in clusters, they're not all just spread out. People can stop and have a look at five or eight at a time and then go to the next yes. sort of cluster. And that's, and you know, they're just nice stops. So it means that people can just slow down and enjoy and also just enjoy the the scenery that they back onto you know which is you know which is remarkable I mean, you know heart's Range you can't get much um, much more beautiful than um, the, the the range coming out of the landscape like it does you know and that's that's where I think um, you know the placement and the locations have been um, you know really good and and the fact that you can stop and have a a few at a time make a lot of sense yeah so, yeah it's good mm.
1: So They're, they're terrific. Uh, and you just mentioned the Harts Ranges, right? I just thought to touch on those for a second, if that's right, Helen. Um, mm, I've just sure. had some friends down from Darwin over the weekend who yep. clearly have been to Alice Springs many times before but have never been really out of Alice, let alone out to the northeast. right? And um, yep. so I took them for a drive on Sunday right out um, at Right Out Bush and I had said to them, we'll drive past the Harts Ranges, which I think are just the most beautiful ranges in central Australia. And when they saw them, mm-hmm. They were just gobsmacked. They are so stunning, yeah. those Heart's Ranges. They're truly a quite extraordinary vista. So you're quite that's right, right. Um, about the Heart's Ranges. Yeah. They're, they're amazing. Yeah. To, yeah. yeah,
0: they are. They're very lovely. Yeah, they're just beautiful. And, I mean, the colours and, and you know, it all changes at different times of day. And, yeah, it's, yeah. it is yeah. it is a beautiful part of the world. So, yeah, no, that's great. And uh, so, you know, that, and that's what's interesting is people's – Thought is it's all flat and open, and you just think, well, actually, go for a drive because you'll be uh, stunned by the change in uh, change in geography yeah. and topography yeah. of of, uh, of right across the outback way. In fact, you know, it's not all just red sand.
1: <laughs> Correct, yeah, and, really and, and look, that's you. a really good point, Helen. Um, it's not just the Hart's yeah. Ranges on this part of the outback way. Any point along the mm. outback way is equally stunning, and it's all different, yes. right? it's so the yes. the whole journey. Quite extraordinary, you know. This amazing landscape that does change as you pass through. Right, it's um really quite incredible. We're very lucky to live in this part of the world. I think.
0: Mm, I know. I know that driving. You know, even just west of Yulara, I always love um, going past, going into Western Australia, and the uh, Musgrave's yeah. uh, ranges come out, and and you just think, oh my gosh, you know, like where are the cowboys and Indians? You know, it looks like you're in the Midwest of America. You know? so that's, it's it's fantastic. Exactly. Yeah, like it's just really different. So, And, yeah, it's a wonderful chance for, you know, people who have the chance to have a look at it, I think really do appreciate it too. It's good. So, no, excellent. Well, thank you very much. How can people uh, contact Gemtree, book in? uh, What are the best contact details and things to uh, get in touch? Um,
1: Yes. So there's several ways. So firstly, we now have a refreshed website um, with all contact details on that and a book now button. um, So people can actually book accommodation or campsites directly online and get instant confirmation but we have a phone number which is zero eight eight nine five six nine eight double five, 8956 9855
0: or email Jim and it's the easiest email address gemtree at gemtree.com.au fantastic and
1: the website's just gemtree.com.au <laughs> yes it is
0: excellent oh that's excellent thanks thanks Alex so much for that you know just really great uh, overview and update on, on what what's on offer at Gem Tree and it's certainly worth a stop and um a few days stay by the sound of that. I'd love to come and find a, a zircon or a garnet and and uh, yes. and have it have it set. It'd be an awesome uh, memento. So thank you. It's wonderful.
1: It's lovely chatting to you, Helen, and thank you for the opportunity.
0: Thank you for tuning in to the Outback Way podcast. The show notes will be on our website at outbackway.org.au If you are enjoying our podcast, please leave us a review. And if you're really enjoying our podcast, you may like to become a contributor through our Outback Way store. For $5, you can help with the production of our podcast. Please stay in touch. We'd really love to hear your stories. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at Outback Way 1. And finally, thanks to Perk Digital for producing our podcast, making your journey through the heart of Australia on Australia's Longest Shortcut easier. Please travel safely. The Outback Way podcast is all about your trip. We're really trying to make it easier for you and give you valuable information to make it more enjoyable. So we'd love your feedback. Send your questions, comments and travel stories to info at outbackway.org.au and if you share your story we may even feature you on this podcast. Thank you for joining us through the heart of Australia on Australia's Longest Shortcut. Cheers for now.